0: Now, Mary said to you guys that you have three choices in terms of which service, okay? But if you can't get to the 11 o'clock on time, anybody, you don't have a choice. But we've invented the noon just for you, okay? Can I hear anybody excited about the noon? Listen. Listen. We've got that just for you. Hey, here's what I'm going to do today from the very beginning. I want to just launch strong and then, and then we'll work our way from there. From the very beginning this morning, I want to give you what I believe could be the three best realities for your entire life. Here they are. Number one would be for God to enter your story. Number two would be for him to invite you into his story. And number three would be for you to spend the rest of your days on earth saying yes to your part in his story. Simple but profound. I believe these could be the most significant things for your life, for this church, and ultimately for the entire world. When you look at the people who have been most fulfilled and who've made the most impact, it's people who saw God enter their story. They were invited into his story. And thirdly, they said yes to playing their part, however big or small, however, however uh, public or private the part was. And that, so if you want to think about how am I doing in life, lots of gauges we could use this morning. But I just want to ask those three for you. Has God entered your story? Have you heard his invitation to enter his amazing eternal story and have you are you are you in a pattern of saying yes to whatever your part is in his great eternal story some of us are like ben i'm just not convinced that god would want to enter a story like mine it's a messy story i don't know a ton of things about god or maybe i know just enough about god to know that he's not the kind of god who would want to enter the story of a person like me And if he did want to enter the story, I don't know that it would be a favorable outcome for me. And if he did want to enter the story, I'm pretty sure that he's not going to be anytime soon inviting me to play a significant part in what he's up to in history. And here's the reason why we think those kinds of thoughts. We believe when it comes to our lives and especially our future, we believe that we are the expector. We believe that it's our past, our mistakes, our shortcomings, our sin, our limitations, our lack of capacity, our weaknesses, our struggles, our habits, our addictions. And so when we think about our own futures, oftentimes we think that the future of our lives will be much like the past. And in some ways that's true, right? Right. You should hire people for the future of your company based on how they have performed so far. Can we agree that that's a good thing? You should, this is how we think about restaurants, right? You make plans to go to restaurants that you've been to in the future because you had an experience that was amazing. By the way, Friday night, I was at the slanted door, I will be back. It's one of those things like, I've been here before, how did I let you out of my life? You know what I mean? It's one of those kinds of experiences, it's just amazing. Um, But there are other restaurants you go to and because of that experience, you will what? Never Never go back. No matter what the review says, no matter what your friend says, no matter who invites you, no matter who pays for it, you're not going back. When it comes to picking a marriage partner, we have this principle in place, and it's a good one, right? Based on how someone treats you while you're dating, you can assume, hopefully, that they would treat you like that when you are married to them, but we often know those assumptions are wrong, and we can't do anything about them. So when it comes to our own future, when it comes to what we think is possible for the rest of our lives, oftentimes we have a limited um, belief in the possibilities that could potentially exist because we believe that we're the greatest X factor in our lives. But if God indeed is the X factor, the greatest X factor for your life, then all bets about your future and your future and your future are off the table. Let me ask you this question. What if God can influence your story even more than you can? What if God has the ability to influence your story even more than you? And you're like, but Ben, it's my life. What if you don't have to relegate yourself to living a self-made life? What if you actually don't have to lie in the bed that you make? What if your past doesn't get to dictate your future? What if the latest chapters in your life or the middle chapters in your life don't have to mirror the early chapters in your life? Again, if you're the X factor, my guess is your future looks a lot like your life so far. The trajectory of your life, we're all on some trajectory. My guess is that your future, if you're the main idea of your life, if you're the great influencer of your future, my guess is you can bank that your. You take to the bank that your future will look much like your past. But if God is an influencing factor and if he has greater power than your past does, than your life, than your shortcomings, your mistakes, even your sin, then maybe all bets are off in terms of what could be true and possible for your future. We're continuing this Enter the Story series today. And so if you have a Bible, we're still in Acts. Acts chapter 8 this morning. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get one to you. For the rest of us, Acts chapter 8, which will be in the first part of the chapter. Just lift a hand if you need a Bible this morning, and we will get one to you. And this is a gift from us to you. You can keep this. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. We'll get there in just a moment. We've been in the book of Acts, and really more of the same has been happening. If you've been around or you've stayed tuned in with the podcast, the church is continuing to grow and expand and spread. The religious leaders are still furious that the movement of Jesus hasn't been shut down for good. Not only that, they're furious that they see the movement of Christ beginning to pick up some steam. So they're already angry. Well, they take their opposition up a notch. And what they do is they stone to death. They murder a guy named Stephen who was an early church leader. They murdered him simply because he was a Christian and because he was committed to sharing the message of Jesus with whomever he saw. And so he let those leaders know, here's the reality of Jesus. Here's what you did to him. Here's what he did. He died a sinner's death, and he rose from the dead. That's his story. And they're furious. They end up stoning him to death. And after they stone him to death, this is where we first get introduced to the man I want to talk to you about today. This is a man who was the very least likely person to be included in the story of God. He was the least likely person to have God enter his story because we know who God is and we know what God is for and God doesn't enter stories like this guy's. Oh, but he does. And so if you have a Bible, Acts chapter 8 verses 1 through 3, uh, we're going to talk about the life of Paul today. But here's what I want you to do is you stand with me. Go ahead and stand. We're going to talk about Paul's life and I want you to just forget what you know for a moment if that's possible. And for a moment this morning, what I want to ask us to do is fixate on how Paul's story begins. I know we know a lot about the good stuff that happened later on, but I just want you to get fixated for a moment on where his story starts. I think there are some things that are going to emerge as we look at Paul's life, as we think about how God enters our story, how God invites us into his story and how we can say yes to playing a part in that story. I think our minds could be expanded. Things that we didn't think possible coming in this morning could be seen as possibility. So here's Acts chapter 8, just the first three verses. It's after the death of, Jesus, uh, of, of Stephen that, that Paul enters the scene, that we get his introduction. Here it is. And Saul, that's his name at the beginning, approved of his, that's Stephen's, execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. You may be seated. Again, I want us to fixate. Our minds on where this guy's story begins because I know what you know. If you know anything about this guy, you know the good stuff. If you know a little bit or or a lot, you may know some of these kinds of things. You may know that this man, Paul, more than anyone else in the first century except Jesus, was responsible for impacting the movement of Christianity. Now, Peter would argue with Paul, but Peter would be wrong. Okay? He would argue. If you know Peter's story at all, he'd be like, no, no, I'm more important. Mm, Peter, you're not. You're super important. But in terms of how the thing spread and where it spread to, outside of Jesus himself, this man spread. Because here's what he was tasked with by Jesus. He was the one who would take it outside the Jews for the first time. He's the one who would take it outside Jerusalem in such a significant way. This guy, Paul, you see where his story begins. But this guy, Paul, he's going to start around 20 churches. And you're like, um, Ben, what's the big deal about that? Well, it took all that our team had to start one. And I don't plan on starting a second one. And there's no, like, please don't to that. There's no amen. There's no... All right. What I said was, I don't plan on starting another one. (laughs) I'm going to start millions of them, actually. (laughs) Starting tomorrow. I don't know how many days notice I have to give, but... So he starts 20-something churches. And then when you look in the table of contents in the Bible, when you look at the New Testament, what you'll see are 27 different letters or books, as we call them, in the New Testament. 27. This guy is responsible for 13 of them. Significant? So he has this amazing story. And if you know anything about his story, what we typically know is where it kind of ended. That he was the one that started churches. He was the one that would go to prison. He was the one that advanced the mission. He's the one that took it into Asia. He had three different missionary journeys. He was beaten for his faith. He was arrested for his faith. He ended up shipwrecked a number of times. That's his amazing story. But that amazing story starts right there with this introduction. And he approved of someone else's murder. And he didn't approve of a religious fanatic's murder. He simply approved of a man... Who was murdered because he loved Jesus and was spreading the message of Jesus. And that's where Paul's story starts. Approving of an innocent man's murder. You feeling pretty good about your story? No. That's where it begins for him. Which brings us to this principle right off the bat because we know where it started now. We know kind of where it ends up in the end. Here's the principle. Your story doesn't have to end where it began. Your story doesn't have to end where it began. The things that happened to you, the things that you chose for your life, the things that other people chose to do to you or not do to you or do for you, what you do have, what you don't have, what your mistakes are, your story doesn't have to end where it began. And Paul's living proof of that. Look at verse 3. He's ravaging or destroying the church. He's ravaging or destroying the church. One commentator said that Paul was the church's worst enemy. The worst. He's dragging men and women out of their homes, off to prison. And the text doesn't say this, but what do we know about who's left in those homes? Now, if you have anything in your heart at all for kids, okay? If you don't, we're not going to ask you to work the kids ministry. You need to check another box. But I want you to picture that. Because moms and dads have come into a relationship with Jesus... Because they're meeting as part of the new church in the first century, their little boys and little girls are in homes alone. Perhaps it's worse than that. Certainly, there's no way God's going to enter the story of a person who would do that to men and women and boys and girls. Certainly, God's not going to show up and invite a guy like this to have any part in the story, right? Unless He just invites him in long enough to destroy him. There's no other explanation. Why in the world could this guy have a shot at the story of God? You see, in verse one, it says on this day, the day that Stephen was murdered, the day that Paul is clapping for the murder of Stephen, it says on this day, intense persecution started in Jerusalem. Do you see it? And because of that, they had to scatter. You're like, Ben, why did they have to scatter? Because they would have been the next Stephen. Stephen. So they scatter, and remember, Jerusalem's in the region of Judea, and then Samaria is the region next. And so it says they scattered from Jerusalem into other parts of the region of Judea and into the region of Samaria. That's where they scatter. If you look at this just at face value, what you begin to think is this, this is the worst thing ever. But if you remember the plan Jesus gave, anybody remember what we said the main verse is in all of the book of Acts? Anybody help a brother out? Yeah, Samaria. Acts one eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Guess what's happening? What does Paul learn, and what do we learn in this moment when it comes to the movement of Jesus? Even if you try to full on oppose it, you might be the one who helps it spread. When you see the big picture, when you think about the promise of God. But here's what Paul learned throughout his life. You can oppose the movement of Jesus or you can flow with the current of the movement of Jesus. But whatever you decide to do, it's moving on. And it can move on with or without you. Because when Paul's against it, he actually expands it. When Paul's for it, he actually expands it. You're going to flow with it or you want to flow up against the movement of Jesus in the world? And in case you want to know some of the track records of the people that did one or the other, you can check it out all throughout the scriptures and all throughout history. And so Paul begins to persecute along with all of his... Remember, he's the worst enemy of the church. Now for the rest of our time this morning, I want you to turn to Acts 26. It'll be on the screen, but if you have a Bible, an app, or one of the ones we just passed out, I want you to turn there because I want you to see this moment. What's happening in Acts 26 is Paul is now a strong Christian, the leader of the church really at this time. All these missionary journeys, but now he's being brought before the officials because now what he used to do to people, they're trying to do to him. And what he does in Acts 26 is he recalls to King Agrippa, he recalls what was happening in his life at this time. So look at verses 9 through 11 to get wind of what Paul was experiencing in this persecution moment where he was the anti-Jesus guy. Here's what he says, and I want you to note the irony. He says, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem, I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Friends, this season of Paul's life, like a season that we've all had, maybe not in this exact way, but this season of his life could have defined the rest of his entire life. Would you agree? Like, this is who he was. He's recalling, this is who he was. Now, I want you to see the amazing irony. Just literally walking through the text, I want you to see the irony. He says, I was convinced that I ought to do many things opposing the name of Jesus. What's amazing is after his transformative moment with Jesus, he's going to do everything, many things, to promote the name of Jesus. Familiar with that part of the story? Keep going. He says, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison. Who else is going to spend time in prison because of their faith in Jesus? Paul. Paul's the answer, okay? I've told you before, usually when you're in church, Jesus is the answer. But today, Paul. Okay? <laughs> he says that he cast his vote against Christians for their death. There would be people one day who are going to cast their vote against Paul's life. Keep going. He said, I punish them often in all the synagogues. Where would Paul often show up when he was in a new city to start a church? In the synagogue. The end. In raging fury, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Who was going to be the greatest missionary of the first century? I told you the answer. Isn't that crazy? Because Paul wasn't the greatest X factor in his life. Paul's past didn't have more power than Jesus' resurrection power. Where Paul had been didn't have to dictate where he got to go. And some of you in the stream, you're like, but Ben, you don't know my story. You don't know how many times I've been married. You don't know my issues at work. You don't know my lack of integrity. You don't know sort of where my history is. But you need to understand something. There's no way God enters my kind of story. And I just want to tell you, have you done those things? Don't tell me if you have, because I have to alert the authorities. (laughs) Have you been approving of people's murder, innocent people's murder? Have you been there? Have you dragged off men and women and left kids, orphans at homes because you had a problem with their religion? Have you Have you been there? I don't think so. So don't tell me that he can't enter your story. This could have defined Paul's entire life. Let me ask you this. What is the thing from your past or present that has the potential to define your future? What is the thing from your past or its current reality today that has the potential to define your future? And we all have something in there. What, because of a character flaw right now, could you never, ever become different than What because of what you've done, what you've thought, what you didn't do that you should have done has literally um, just kind of marked your entire life? And you can't imagine ever living without that mark or the uh, results of that mark in your future. What has the potential? If this morning I said, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put everyone's name in a bucket except for mine. And we're going to draw one name out of this 11 o'clock congregation. And we're going to watch a 10 minute movie clip of your most regrettable moments in life. My name's not in the bucket. (laughs) We're just going to pull one random out. I don't think any of us are taking, even though the chances would be small that we would get chosen, if I said, hey, do you guys want to do that? Chances like one in 200. Anybody? If your movie played or if my movie played, we would never show our face around here again. At least I wouldn't. But we feel pretty safe now that that's not going to happen. We feel pretty safe because we know probably no one in here knows our 10-minute movie reel of our most regrettable moments. We know that no one in here, probably not even our friends or the small group that we're a part of in this room, they don't know that 10-minute clip. And perhaps no one knows, not our best friend or our spouses, not our pastor, not the church staff. They don't know that 10-minute clip, so I'm feeling pretty safe. But you know that God knows. And because you know that God knows, you can't conceive why He would want to enter your story. And because you know that God knows, it it sounds amazing, but it's a tough sell to ourselves that God would enter a story like ours. Right? I mean, maybe we could say on the periphery of what he's up to, maybe we could have some insignificant thing in, in the story he's writing. Or maybe he would just let us exist off to the side, kind of up against the wall, but not put us into the game. Because we know what our story is. But let me ask you this question. What if you aren't the main character in your story? What if God isn't just sitting down, observing, going, I wonder if she's going to make it? What if God isn't like a director of a plague having you come audition and he'll tell you if you're good enough? What if he actually writes himself into your story? And what if your influence over your own life isn't the greatest potential influence, but his power that can actually take care of your past and transform your future? What if that enters the story? The most boring thing in a book is to get a couple of chapters in and already know how it ends. And some of you are living those existences today. Because of where your story started, you assume it's going to end the same way. And you try to get happy. You try to imagine a different future. But you just can't believe it's possible. Look at the rest of Acts 26, verses 12 through 18. Paul's going to share his transformational moment. Here's what... He says to King Agrippa about what happened the day that Jesus entered his story. Maybe this could be your day. He says, in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. What authority and commission did he have? What do you think he had? The authority to do what? He was still a bad guy. He could arrest Christians and also obviously put them in prison and he could kill them. So he has that authority that he needs. 13. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Look that up. I had to. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now just stop there for a moment. Now imagine you've been passionate about stopping the movement of a man named Jesus that you don't think exists. Just You got to picture this. So your mission, you're on the way to imprison or murder anyone you find who aligns himself with the name of Jesus. But the first person you encounter is a man who just told you his name is? Oh boy. Sometimes like, oh yeah, Paul had this Damascus Road experiment. He's on his way to murder anyone. He runs up against, comes in contact with Engages a conversation with the one for whom he's been trying to destroy his movement. Can you imagine that? There's got to be a puddle by his feet. He knows what he's done. All under the assumption that this guy is nothing like God. He's not God. He has no power. He's not alive. Keep going. I just want you to see that. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But he says, but rise and stand upon your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness which you have seen me. And to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. There's the part to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Jesus knew about Paul's past and Jesus knew about Paul's present, but he wasn't fixated on either. Because he understood that if he, as the X factor, stepped into Paul's story, that he could transform Paul to have a different future. Do you see it? And he says, Paul, not only am I not holding your past against you with my grace, I'm going to give you the purpose, the part in my story to go and tell other people that they can be forgiven of their past too. I mean, imagine what Jesus might have said to him. Paul, who better as a spokesperson for my love and grace than you? You see, if someone was righteous and Jesus came to them and said, hey, I want you to be the spokesperson for my movement. No one, including yourselves and myself, would be able to sit in an audience like this and go, oh, man, I'm in too because I'm perfect. So who 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 does he send as a spokesperson? The guy who titled himself the chief of sinners. The guy who had no part in the story of God, in terms of earning it, that's who he comes to. That's who he wants to use. Isn't that crazy? And so he says to them, "Paul, you're going to be sent. Here's your part. I've just entered your story, would you agree? I'm inviting you to enter my story, and here's your part. You're going to go. You're going to tell people they don't have to live in darkness like you've been doing. They can also live in the light. You're going to go, and you're going to let people know, hey, you've been living your life against God. Now you can live it for God. You're going to go and let people know, yes, you guys know who I was, but Christ has transformed me. I've been forgiven, and now I want to share that message with you. That's how a movement takes place. Jesus enters his story. And you see this. Here's the deal. When Jesus enters your story, your past doesn't have to dictate your future. It doesn't. So quit thinking that you're the big deal about your future. Quit thinking that what you've done has to be what you are going to always do. Paul had to lay that down. It had to blow his mind, and we know it blew everyone else's mind when they heard that Paul had been transformed. Because Jesus' resurrection power was greater than Paul's past greater than what he did to men and women, greater than what he had done to those little children, greater than anything Paul brought to the table, Jesus said, when I step in, so it seems to me the greatest indicator of your future is going to be whether or not you surrender to God's story or whether or not you resist your part in God's story. I don't don't see any other options in the scriptures, in history, in my own life. Like, are you going to surrender to it or are you going to resist it? It's a question every one of you in this room will have to answer. We all will. I want you to look at this one verse. I'll have it on the screen for a while. Galatians one twenty three. Galatians is a letter Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. And he was writing about a lot of different things. But he spends one moment saying, here's what the churches in Judea used to say about me. Okay? So he's, he's looking back and he's sharing kind of his story. By the way, if you're going to enter God's story, no matter what your past is, when he transforms you, we should be willing to share our story with other people. Right? People don't need to know the best stuff about us and how we got in and how God was thrilled to put us on his team. They need to know, here's where I was. Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. People need to know that's where your story began. Remember, the gospel means good news and sometimes we don't even want to let people know the bad news before we give them the good news. If there's no bad news, what good is the good news? The bad news is we're all separated from God so in Galatians 1.23, here's what Paul says. I want you to listen to this transformation. He's going to give the pre-transformation moment, the post-transformation moment. And he says about the churches in Judea, they only were hearing it said. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to Destroyed. That is the power of transformation. That is the power of what can happen when Jesus enters your story and you say yes to playing your part in his. They said about Paul. Now, now he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith. What? I love the, I love the wording there. That he wants... Tried to destroy. The church's greatest opponent becomes the church's greatest proponent. You're like, Ben, help this make sense for me. Okay, let's say that we're not in the internet age, but we get word that there's a crazy guy named Paul that when he shows up around Christians, Christians get dragged off into prison, boys and girls get left at home or wherever they're gathered. All right? And let's imagine he comes in the room. What are you doing? You don't know about his transformation. He used to persecute us. That's all you know. Used to, when Paul showed up, people got in prison or got killed. What do you do? Well, maybe there's a puddle on the stage as I see him walk in. And I'm telling Lindsay, don't let them know. And he comes up. I think he's going to kill me. Instead, he's like, hey, I'm a better preacher than you are. Sit down. Your mind would be blown because you wouldn't believe that kind of transformation is possible. We read about it historically. We read about it in the Bible. So we're like, oh, I know this story. But you don't think your story actually can match that kind of story. What God wants to say to you today is that because of Jesus entering your story, your past doesn't have to dictate your future. You can be different. Paul did not deserve his part in the story, but he obeyed, he trusted, and he stepped into what God wanted to do. So here's what I want you to do to end our time today. I want you to look at this verse, just the quote part from Paul. And I just want you to fill in the blank where he had some answers. I want you to have personal answers. So think about the thing that you regret or ashamed of or whatever the most. And just start it like this. He or she, talking about you, who used to fill in the blank. He or she who used to, even if it's not in the past yet, just think about this moment. Imagine that kind of transformation. He or she who used to, blank, is now... Blank, And with a second blank, think about the most amazing thing that you can barely believe is possible for your life in terms of who you could become in light of who you were, who you are. So maybe we go something like this. He who used to be verbally abusive now speaks words of life to his friends and to his enemies. She who used to make terrible relational decisions now is full of healthy relationships in her life. He who used to think church was a waste of time is now on staff at a church. He who used to think there was no hope for him now lives full of hope, even though his circumstances aren't hope-inducing. She who used to think her past could never be forgiven now lives in the freedom that only Christ could bring. If you believe God's the greatest X factor, then you know that is your future possibility. If you believe that you have sunk your own future ship of life, then you shouldn't live with hope. But Paul is telling us, Jesus is telling us, I'm trying to tell you, you have great reason to live with hope because Christ can transform your past into a different future. Would you bow your heads and just close your eyes for a moment? I know you still may be just thinking that it's absurd that God, if he really does exist, would want to enter a story like yours. Maybe it's like, you know what, Ben, you just don't even know. I don't. But I want to encourage you to allow God to enter your story this morning. And so with our eyes closed, everyone, I just want to say if you are at a place this morning where you want to, by faith in Jesus, enter the story of God. Enter that story of forgiveness and redemption. And you've never done that, but you're interested in doing that this morning. Would you just lift your hand so I can speak directly to you? If you're interested in just entering by faith, the story of Jesus saying, hey, I'm yours. I trust you. My faith is in you. Yeah. And if your hand's up, here's what I want to say to you. God's whole idea in Jesus' coming was to rescue me and you from our sin and to give us a new future, a transformation. He has, he, he owned your sin as though it were his own sin. He paid for it as though it was his debt. And you can, through faith in him, have new life. And if that's you this morning, I'd love for you to write it on your card or email me. I'd love to, even if we can get together this week and just talk about what it looks like for Jesus to enter your story and you to receive that by faith. You can just say a prayer that goes like this. Jesus, today I I believe that you're calling me into your story, not because of how amazing I am, but because of your grace and mercy. And I want to enter by faith. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for putting your spirit in me. Thank you that my future is not foretold based on my past I have freedom you can use me and I am in but for the rest of us we need to take some inventory too are you trying to get God to say yes to the story you're trying to create on your own or are you willing to surrender to him and not resist him and play the part that he gives you in his story I do believe there's nothing like having God enter our story invite us into his and say yes with whatever days we have left on this earth what He wants to do in us and through us for the sake of His name and the sake of the world. God, I pray that You would move. God, I pray that You would stir hearts. I pray that You would build hope for the hopeless. God, that You would bring cleansing to those of us who have a past that certainly can't enter Your story by itself. pray that You would wash over our hearts and God, You would. You would speak clearly about what you want to do in our hearts and what you want us to do in your story. God, may we be a people. May we be a church where we see you enter our story, invite us into yours. And we say yes to whatever you want to do. That's the most fulfilling thing we can give our lives to. It's the most impactful thing we can give our lives to. Jesus, I pray you would work in these moments. In your name I pray. Amen. We just stand as the band leads us as we consider how crazy that God would Welcome us as his children.